definitely a lot of hate out there in the world. You can see what was inside. Hate on the rise. A new legal tool in the box. You have no right to trespass and litter on someone's property. You have no right to graffiti someone's property. A Florida law signed in Jerusalem, Israel. What it does, will it work? This is the inside of our house. We were all doing a prayer right before we jumped out through the window. It's everything that you worked so hard for, it's, it just goes down the drain. A flood of money. They were going to try to charge, they were trying to anywhere from like 30000 to $35,000. Unprecedented water in Broward getting attention and dollars from the White House. We can't wait. These folks are hurting and these folks need help. The big news of the week all live on this compact version of This Week in South Florida. Good Sunday morning. I'm Glenna Milberg. We are making way for the heat and countdown to tip off today. But before we get into it, a tornado watch right now until two o'clock today. Brandon Orr right here with that update. Hi, Brandon. Hey, guys. Uh, for a moment, it was actually covering a good chunk of the peninsula. It's been trimmed away just to include us here in South Florida from the Keys up to Miami and Fort Lauderdale. That goes out until about two o'clock and then we're in the all clear for the rest of the afternoon. This kind of split up into two lines. We have the first line moving through even a, uh, a severe thunderstorm warning earlier about 1030 this morning for Broward County had a wind gust of 50 miles per hour in Southwest ranches. Now we're waiting on this second line to move in. And one of the features with this thunderstorm I'm actually picking up on. You see how it looks like a comma shape. Sometimes you can get a little bit of rotation on the southern end of these storms. So there's a little bit of rotation. Nothing too concerning at the moment, but we'll keep an eye on things. Just hold tight until about two o'clock. Then these storms will be offshore and then we can enjoy the rest of the day. There's some just west of Miami Dade that'll push in and if you here in the keys watching out for maybe a water spout or two in the vicinity of Key Largo. So here's our model showing the back edge right on top of us at one o'clock by two. Even the clouds are clearing out. The sun will come out. It's still going to be windy. We do have a wind advisory that continues until about eight o'clock tonight for some wind gusts outside of thunderstorms to 40 miles per hour, but humidity will be lowering later on today. So just got to get through maybe the next two and a half hours and we'll be good to go for the rest of the afternoon. If we see anything with these thunderstorms moving in that next line, Glenna, I'll be back here to let you know about it. All right, Brandon, thanks so much. And you can always follow the forecast today anytime. Download our local 10 Weather Authority app. Scan that QR code right there to get instant updates from our team of certified meteorologists. The governor signed Florida's newest law into effect in Jerusalem, Israel, Thursday morning while you were sleeping. It is aimed at combating a rising tide of anti-Semitism. The governor took full advantage of those optics, signing the enhanced crime categories and penalties at the Museum of Tolerance in Jerusalem, Israel. The House sponsor told us that they passed it. They ran to the airport. They flew 12 hours to get that accomplished. Questions of timing and costs of that trip aside for now, the new public nuisance bill, that's what it's called, covers all discrimination, racism and hate, but it is meant to address a recent rise in anti-Semitic acts around Florida. It is in effect with the governor's signature and one of the first people to welcome it was Miami-Dade State Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, who is right there with us today to examine what this new law does and doesn't do. Madam State Attorney, it is so good to have you on board today. Oh, good morning, Glenn, and thank you so much for including me on this show. And first, I, was, I just want to say thank you for that superb coverage of the 75th anniversary of Israel and that trip. It was just so powerful. I've, I've been to Israel over a dozen times myself, and every time I'm there and I leave there, I just live 
just leave with so much energy from the spirit of the people. Thank you for but those you nice words. Right. I appreciate that on behalf of our whole crew there. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Absolutely. So, to you and your crew. So, um, so we, we were there as the governor signed this. And I, you know, this was, people should know, bipartisan. And nobody voted against this bill. This was one of those rare unanimous votes in Tallahassee. Everybody is on board to combat hate. That's the good news. If you would, like, just broad brush this. How is this even different from laws that are already on the books? So at that point, what I'd like to do is if I could address what is a hate crime, because we make a lot of reference to hate crimes. In Florida, as in many other states, there aren't per se crimes that are hate crimes. What it becomes is an enhancement. You mentioned that earlier, Glennon, at the introduction of the show. What that means is you need an underlying crime that's then coupled with a hate message, either words or something further. And I'll give you an example. If you hit somebody and in doing so, you say a slur against their race or a slur against religion or against their sexual orientation, if you combine that with the hitting, which is a crime, that becomes enhanced penalties. And the reason for that is that those words, that message combined with that crime is so hurtful to a whole group of people. So the concept is your victim is much greater than just the person that you hit. You attacked an entire community, a group that you were discriminating against and with hatred. So that being said, we've, we have had a rise, especially since COVID. During the pandemic, there have been some of these groups, like the Boyum Defense League, which just really grew in popularity uh, th through those years. So it, as you said, and the statistics are really very scary, the FBI says hate crimes have increased in the last two years by uh, nearly 50%. And this is what's interesting, because we're celebrating this special time for Israel, about 60% of the nationally reported religious-based hate crimes in for 2020 was targeting the Jewish community. So I, I want to just, um, be, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we, we have such a short time together here. I okay. want to really uh, drill down into this bill. So all okay. of those things that you're talking about, what what is, it looks like in, in reading this bill, and anybody can read it, it's about seven pages, it looks like it targets property crimes, because I spoke to the sponsor, uh, Representative Randy Fine from Brevard County, Republican from Brevard, who brought the bill to the governor in Israel. And, and he was telling me, free speech is free speech. Hate speech, by and large, is free speech. How do you get around free speech? And he said these were about property crimes. It's an act on property, um, like throwing those baggies we've reported on with, with flyers and, and yes. whatnot inside or projecting things on buildings, or we're looking at the flyer right now and blacked out a lot of it that we thought might be very offensive and not really um, arable. So so how does this now t give you another tool? What is the difference? It, it gives us the teeth that we needed. And so to use your two examples that are specifically addressed in the new law, what so the one that you're talking about, the bags, you know, one morning in January 2022, a whole bunch of folks in Jewish communities on Miami Beach and Miami, Coral Gables, woke up to those baggies that you were referring to that had horrible swastikas inside and terrible messages inside. They weighed it down with corns and kettle, kettles and corns, so that it would weigh and have a certain weight, right? 
But the law didn't say that that was a crime, even though the message was hurtful and terrible, disgusting, especially to the people it was intended to hurt. But there was an underlying crime. So this new statute, right, the, the Bill 269, it specifically addresses that and says, no, if you litter on someone's property and it's intended to harass, to threaten, to intimidate, that is the crime. The littering is now a crime and it's enhanced as a hate crime. Okay, now let me, let me just, let me stop you there because on those flyers, and I don't think we have that specific video, but on those flyers, this group put a disclaimer at the bottom mm -hmm. saying, this is not meant to, and I don't want to, this is not verbatim, it's just from my memory. This is not meant to harass or intimidate. It, it, it's almost like they know how to get around the law. So when you as a prosecutor receive this, this um, probable cause and you see that they've put this disclaimer on the bottom, does that hang you up at all in your ability to prosecute? I believe going forward, we're gonna have a much better opportunities to do that because in, in what you just talked about, the Miami Beach Police really tried, the FBI really tried, our office really tried. We tried to be creative but we couldn't do it and they knew that we couldn't. And that's why this law is so important. In fact, when the, and they did this in Broward County and in Palm Beach County, when they were approached, this is really important, when, when they were approached by law enforcement, the first thing they said when they opened the door to law enforcement standing in uniform is, okay, tell me, what crime did I commit? They just go that line where they, we, they know law enforcement can't get them. And it's not just Florida, they did this in other states. So this law would help us a lot. The other thing that you mentioned, because in that case, the only thing they could do, the Miami Beach could do was give them a civil citation and a fine. That They don't care about that. Now we have a crime. The other thing you mentioned about the projection, that actually happened in Jacksonville. Yeah. And so they what they did was a huge swastika, same group, by the way, I believe that's true. They put that big swastika up on a huge sign for everybody to see, for those to feel hurt, and to do pain to people, right? Now, this new law says you can't do that without permission from the person who owns that building or is the tenant of that building. So, what so about, these are the kind of tools. What, what about, we're looking at video right now where we were a moment ago of, you're talking about a building with a projection that's owned by somebody, some entity, but people on a highway overpass, which is public property, hanging banners, offensive banners off of public property where they are perfectly able to be. What, is that, does that pose any issues? Is that part of this? Well, you know, it's a brand new law, right? And there's no case law in it, so it, there's not been a lot of definition of what this all means. But I would, you know, at this superficial uh, first step, I would say that's covered because you do have the permission, so the public owns it. So it's owned by a park or it's owned by the Department of Transportation. Did you get permission to put those up there? So I'm really hopeful as we learn the law better that you're know, going forward, these kind of programs that you're doing, Glenna, will send a real strong message out to groups like the Goyam Defense League because now they need to know that the way they used to skirt the law, we have a new law, we gotta, there's, there's a new way in town. Well, that's, uh, I think, I suspect to your point that a lot about this law is also messaging, which is never a bad thing, I suppose. So, Madam State Attorney, so good to have you aboard, and I hope you'll be back on so many other things that we can talk to in the, uh, in the new laws on the books. Absolutely, thanks, Glenna, for the opportunity. Thank uh, you so much. For sure.
Okay, next, the money is on the way for the flood of troubles in Broward's neighborhoods. Fort Lauderdale's mayor is just back from D.C. and he is here next. now drowning in damage and bills. Fort Lauderdale residents learned they will be eligible for federal disaster relief money after all. President Biden made that declaration Friday after Fort Lauderdale Mayor Dean Trantalis went to Washington for some FaceTime. The mayor is with us this morning. Mayor, looking out the window, it appears Broward may well be facing for potentially more. So we'll talk about that. Great to have you here. Great. Good morning. Thank you, Glenna. So um, you're back from Washington uh, right after the flood a few weeks ago and all that rain. The Florida's head of emergency management said uh, he was bringing in state resources. Things were in the works, but he had said that the FEMA money, federal emergency management money, probably won't be available. What changed since then? Well, I think what changed it was that uh, we decided that we need to take charge of the situation. And uh, by getting the support of the governor's office and, of course, the president, uh, we were able to pull together the necessary components to finally get the, 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 uh, the president to sign off and uh, declare the South Florida and especially the Fort Lauderdale area as a major disaster area. So we're looking at some video photographs of you with uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and I believe Senator Marco Rubio was also there. Take us yes. inside. How, how do you do, teach people how to do that? How do you get the president to sign off on money? <laughs> so uh, first of all, I, I want to uh, just say that it could not have happened with just one person. It took so many different people to get involved and to make this happen. So what started out was a phone call that I received from the White House to people that I know there to ask for any assistance that we may need. And so I followed up and we met with um, uh, Mitchell Landrieu, who is the president's uh, director and advisor on infrastructure. We met with him first when we got there on Thursday morning to talk about the need that we had here in the city. Uh, it was through that effort that helped facilitate the, uh, the attention, getting the attention of the president, that we needed this letter signed as soon as possible. So, we also contacted our congressman, Congressman Jared Moskowitz, as well as uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, who also were able to um, contact the White House and make them aware of the, of the real dire need that we had for our people here in Fort Lauderdale. So it sounds um, like a... a the hardcore, full-court, bipartisan press that we were not going to let any stone go unturned, yeah. my dear. So now, <laughs> so now that um, okay, so let's get into some devil in the details because there's a lot of people watching right now who think, yes. oh well, how do I get that money? Who who is eligible? And and also, you're you're uh, floating another few thousand dollars from Fort Lauderdale for people, but realistically and practically, who gets that, and how do they get that? So initially, when the assessment needed to be made as to whether or not we were eligible for FEMA dollars, FEMA came in uh, and made assessments as to which households had serious damage and which households had less serious damage. There were approximately 900 homes in Fort Lauderdale alone that had serious damage. So through their assessment, they were able to make the determination as to the, the levels of, of damage that any home has sustained. Um, one of the measures we might use at the city commission, uh, based on a proposal that I'm going to bring to them on Tuesday, is to ask if the commission would agree to $5,000, an immediate uh, allotment to those, those homes most in need. And we could use the FEMA uh, 
uh, analysis as a starting point in, in determining whether or not someone is eligible. That work has already been done. Pictures have been taken, analyses have already been made. Uh, and the other thing we've got to remember, Glenna, is that FEMA is not going to give 100% re um, reimbursement. They have limits themselves. And this is where the city can come up, uh, and I'm going to ask the county as well. We really need as many different places as possible to help our people out of this situation. So FEMA um, is a... I'm, I'm sorry, FEMA, to your point, FEMA is a reimbursement. So no one's, it's not like insurance money where Correct. you get the insurance money and you use it to do your repairs. No, people are going to have to come up with, to, to pay it before they get reimbursed. That is correct. But it also covers not just housing allowances, it, 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 um, it allows for people who had to stay in hotels and so forth, uh, motor vehicles that got damaged. There's a whole sort of... Uh, a list of things that uh, FEMA does qualify for reimbursement. The, the reason why we met with the Department of Transportation folks uh, is because um, there are programs now in the infrastructure um, program that was uh, passed by Congress two years ago that allows for transit-oriented development within a mile of a transit hub to be eligible for federal funding. In this particular case, our city hall is within a, a transit hub by one mile. It's right near the Brightline station. Mm -hmm. So we want to take advantage of opportunities there that the federal government would have in helping us fund a new city hall. And that was one of the main purposes of our going to the visit with the transportation department because our city hall is uh, beyond life support. We've, we've been pretty much uh, displaced and we're now looking to forward an effort that we started several years ago, but now we need to move that forward more quickly. So this is public and private properties. Mayor, in the minute or so we have left, go a little big yes. picture with me. Um, we're under a tornado watch right now. You look out the window, for many people watching right now, it is pouring. Um, there's going to be a next time. It's not a thousand, you know, we call it a thousand year storm. No, it's, there will be a next time. What's the, what's the plan for that? So Fort Lauderdale has already initiated a program to, to build uh, stormwater uh, programs within, especially these neighborhoods that were hit. Uh, Edgewood, uh, uh, Dorsey River Bend, uh, Melrose Manors, these neighborhoods, we already have construction pro projects uh, underway. So we knew the need was there. Uh, these neighborhoods were never built with stormwater system. So the city, the city has already started a $200 million program that began two years ago. So we're moving ahead on that aggressively. But Glenna, you know, these 25 inches of rain in five hours, no system could ever, ever accommodate that. So we're doing our best. Uh, hurricane season's ahead of us. We know that. And uh, I see the skies are gray here today. But we'll get through it. We're a resilient community, and uh, people are pulling together, helping neighbors, uh, and uh, we'll get through this. So we're happy to see the progress we're making. Mayor Dean Trantalis, great to have you. Thanks so much for being here, giving us a little bit of your Sunday. Thank you. And we will be right back. All right, good morning. I'm certified meteorologist Brandon Orr. Just a quick update on the thunderstorms moving through. This is it. This is the last line of thunderstorms, and then we're good for the rest of today. About to move into Broward now. No warnings with this, but some of this is producing some strong wind gusts up to 45 miles per hour. Some weak rotation, but nothing too concerning out of this. Glenn, I'm looking forward to some sunshine and some lower humidity on the way after 2 o'clock today. We'll keep you updated. I am with you. Thanks, Brandon. To watch today's interviews or listen to the This Week in South Florida podcast, all you have to do is scan that QR 
QR code with your phone to get right to the This Week in South Florida section of Local10.com. You know you're a big part of this program. Connect with us so easily on social media. We are easy to find and follow at Glenna WPLG on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for those of you who do so right during the show. Stay tuned to Local 10 as we count down to tip off. Sports anchor Will Manso is live from New York as the Heat continue their playoff push. That is next. Have a beautiful Sunday.